0: Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 19, where we talk with Will Harris of White Oak Pastures.
1: We raise cows, hogs, sheep, goats, rabbits on the red meat side, chickens, turkeys, geese, guineas, ducks on the poultry side, and we have pastured eggs. We also have uh, honeybees and fruit and vegetables and nut trees.
0: You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. Each weekly episode features a producer utilizing regenerative agricultural practices and or managed plan grazing. On today's episode, we have Will Harris of White Oak Pastures. If you're not familiar with White Oak Pastures, be sure and check out their links at the end. But they are a multi-generational farm based in Georgia that's producing a lot of different products. As always, I encourage you to subscribe if you've not subscribed and share this episode with others. We appreciate it. And let's talk to Will. Will, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. We're excited to have you on here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm Will Harris. I own White Oak Pastures in Bluffton, Georgia. Uh, it's in Bluffton, Georgia. is in the southwest corner of Georgia, almost Alabama, almost Florida. We're about eighty miles from the Gulf of Mexico. Oh yes, yeah. coastal plain. Uh, White Oak Pastures is my family's farm. It's uh, been in my family for 150 something years. My great granddaddy came here in 1866 and farmed this land. His son, my granddaddy farmed it. His son, my daddy farmed it. Uh, I've been, I farmed it all my career. But today I have two daughters and their spouses who are back uh, on the farm. And uh they have between the two of them they've got three babies. So the sixth oh, generation yes. living on the farm being operated I'm I'm the fourth generation, being operated by the fourth and fifth generations right now.
0: Oh very nice. That's that's gotta be a great feeling to to work there where your grandfather worked as well as you got grandkids there as too. It's, it's great.
1: It's great and I really feel blessed.
0: Yes, yes. Now on your farm are you what livestock do you run?
1: We raise cows, hogs, sheep, goats, rabbits on the red meat side, <clears throat> chickens, turkeys, geese, guineas, ducks on the poultry side, and we have pastured eggs. We also have, uh, honeybees and uh, some fruit and vegetables and nut trees.
0: I knew you had a fairly long list of your livestock you ran. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh,
1: 10, 10, meat species plus, uh, egg laying chickens and beef have you always raised that much livestock no it was this uh, my daddy only raised cattle okay and I only, I only raised cattle until the early 2000 about 2000 we started adding other species my great granddad and granddad would have raised a lot of different species here.
0: Oh yes. So at, when you started adding species there, were you still, or were you running a continuous grazing or were you using some planned grazing at that point?
1: No, by the time I added other species, I really embraced uh, planned grazing.
0: What got you excited and got you to implement planned grazing?
1: The, uh. In the mid, I went to the University of Georgia, majored in animal science, and came back and raised cattle very industrially. Um, And my dad, my daddy, raised cattle very industrially. By the mid '90s, I was not enjoying that uh, as much as I had previously. Initially, it was an animal uh, welfare issue. Later, it was more of a focus on the land, but. I quit using uh, chemical fertilizers and pesticides on my land. I quit using some therapeutic antibiotics and hormone implants and ionosaurs and such on on the cows. It was cows only at that time. And uh, production dropped off a lot as a function of not using fertilizer and and pesticides. And I started having a lot of species plant species show up in the pastures that the cows were not would not prefer to eat. Oh, yes. So I started rotational grazing and later added the other species, sheep were the first other species I added to help uh, control uh, plant species in the pasture that the cow did not readily eat.
0: On your planned grazing, did you start moving them? Did you... You start moving, rotating them a little bit, or do you jump whole hog in and start moving or doing frequent moves? No, I, I was. I started
1: moving them. Just started moving them more. Proud of that. I was pretty much on a continuous grazing program. Yes, and uh I started cross fencing and then cross fencing that cross fencing and cross fencing that cross fencing. So we uh, to we now today the farm. It's 3,200 acres, and it's divided up into 100 and something, 112 or so, 30-ish acre pastures. And during the growing season, we move cattle every day. Uh, I don't use a lot of uh, temporary polywire and such with the cattle. We do use it with the sheep and goats and hogs, but not so much with the piles. I put in permanent permanent cross-fencing to the the 30-acre paddocks.
0: So you're you put in your permanent fencing, and you're rotating your cows through those paddocks once a day or or as necessary.
1: During during the growing season, about once a day, and the growing season for us is quite long.
0: Yes, you're you're in southern Georgia. How bad are your winters?
1: Well, uh, you know, I think seventeen degrees is about the coldest I've ever seen it.
0: Oh yes, and we'll
1: get down to southern. we We'll have an arctic blast once or twice a year and get down to. 17 18 degrees but it's usually back up to 50 something the next day uh i've never seen it stay froze all day long oh yes uh, all of our pastures are in warm season perennial grasses and forbs a lot of different things growing out there and uh, we overseed every acre every year with a, a mix of cool season annuals i put i got a 20 foot John Deere 1590 no-till grain drill. And every year we roll over every acre of it with, uh, uh, a cereal, usually rye and rye grass, crimson clover and uh, dicot radish. So we, and we have to, we can usually graze till about Thanksgiving in the perennial grass. Oh, yes. And then I start back rotating in March. So you got really December, January, February is the times
0: when we rely on hay oh yes does that um you overseed with rye and clover and radish does that extend your growing season a certain amount in rye grass and rye grass oh, yeah and yep. we do that do that we, we plant
1: planted in uh uh, in, uh october and then we can use start grazing
0: in late February, early March. Oh, yes. When's your last freeze and, and first freeze?
1: Last freeze is usually around Easter. Oh, of, uh, okay. First frost, first frost is usually Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, so you have a nice long growing season. We're blessed with, we're blessed with a really nice roots, And we get
1: 52 inches of rain a year.
0: Oh, yes. There's your other thing. You've got the water. Go with it.
1: And, and the rain comes fairly equally throughout the year. Oh, yes. Uh, it, it seems to us like it's dry in the summer and wet in the winter, but that's just evapotranspiration. The the, you look at the records, the rainfall is pretty much, pretty, pretty well equal throughout the year. Oh, yes. The change in seasons, uh, uh, October and May are, are a little
0: drier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's jump back to your beef cattle. You've got those paddocks, and you're moving them. Are you still using the same genetics you were using when you were continuously grazing, or have you adapted gen- genetics?
1: No, that's going through a big adaptation. You know, like everybody else, I used to run a feedlot here. Uh, if I had to confine my feedlot here on the farm, <clears throat> and I look for the kind of cow everybody else looks. You know, big weaning weight, you know, uh, rapid growth. They were tall, slab sided kind of cow. Oh yes. And I sold, I've always, we've always saved heifers, but I bought bulls to move the herd in that direction. <clears throat> and when I went to a, a complete grass program, we don't feed any grain to cattle anymore, none, zero.
0: Oh yes. And I need a
1: different kind of cow. And uh, you know, I couldn't um, these cattle that on here on the farm go back to the Crocker cattle my great granddad brought here in 1866. Although they look like anybody's herd of mongrelized Angus-based oh, yes. cattle, if you just you know, at 50 miles an hour, you see no Crocker. We bred that. Oh yes, I just started buying different kind of bulls—you know, short, thick, sp- spring-sided animals.
0: Yes, and
1: uh, and. and and that's what I was doing for a while. <clears throat> About eight years ago, I quit castrating cattle completely, 100% cold turkey. Oh yes. And uh, I did that. Uh, we we market our beef direct to consumers, and the animal welfare component is important to my customers. So I quit castrating to to satisfy that. I, I was just trying it. I didn't know if I was going to always do it. It was just an experiment. Oh yes. <clears throat> but it, it it worked fine all the things i had been told about raising bulls turned out not to be a problem for me. <clears throat> but the good thing that happened is I realized I was actually raising better bulls than I was buying. <clears throat> and when i cut them, castrate them at three months of age, I couldn't tell a good one from a not good one. Yes. I grew them up to two years. We slaughtered about two years of age. When I grew them to two years, I could, I could see that I had some doggone good bulls. Oh yeah. So I closed the herd about six years ago. Oh okay. And uh, you know, in my mind, I'm building some. I have a mongrelized bunch of genetics out there between my dad and I. We probably had one of every breed of bull that's ever been to Georgia, from Charley to Akushit <laughs> to Shorthorn. I mean, just whatever it is, we bull flavor of the month club. Right. Uh, so I got mongrelized genetics, and now I feel like I'm. Uh, developing my own breed you know, by keeping my bulls, and we got a pretty, pretty good sized herd. Oh yes. So I think that uh, there's enough genetic diversity out there. That interbreeding won't be a problem for a long time, if ever. You know, you know that's the way you got Chihuahuas and German Shepherds is by line breeding or
0: interbreeding.
1: If it works like you want it, yes. If it works like you want it to, it's line breeding. If it don't work good, it's interbreeding.
0: Right. Yeah, I I grew up on a dairy, so AI hosting bulls were numerous topics or sources of numerous topics growing up. And I I can remember some of the best hosting breeds like Elevation was a line bred bull. But, you know, if you get a sorry animal with the same type of breeding, uh, granddaughter or grandson, it's inbreeding and it's a problem. So since you've closed the herd... Are you having nice uniform kevs and really no seeing a, uh, you know, continue progress towards that grazing animal you want?
1: I think so. In fact, I'm convinced of it. You know, we're very early in. You know, you don't get one a year. You know.
0: Yes, right. It's a slow process. Yes,
1: gestation period is 283 days. I don't care what you do. But, uh, yes. Uh, you year, so progress is always slow. If it's good progress or negative progress is slow. <clears throat> but I think I see. Uh, uh, some uniformity coming to them, and I, I, I think I see them going in the direction I wanted to go in in terms of a lower maintenance animal. Oh yes, the, the kind of animals I used to raise, <clears throat> they couldn't get enough nut- nutrition anywhere other than a feed trough. I mean, there just, oh, yeah. just, just, just wasn't enough for them to eat, and, and uh, couldn't eat enough. of uh, am saying diet. <clears throat> but today. Uh, you know, we're able to, to finish them at, at about two years of age, and and you know, I'll, we slaughter myself here on the farm, which is a little different from most folks. <clears throat> Our target is select, and uh, you know, I've been asked if I thought that not castrating affect adversely affected the quality, and I don't think it does. I think that if if, uh, if you're shooting for a prime animal in a feedlot it might i probably would i don't know that but for what we're doing here I, I i don't think it's a problem at all
0: when are you calving you're calving in the spring and then you're slaughtering them basically at two years of age in the spring
1: no because i have my own slaughterhouse and i slaughter animals 52 weeks a year so i don't need one calf crop you know i used to put i used to have a 60 day Breeding season.
0: Oh yes, cat,
1: cat once a year. <clears throat> Today we have two cat. We got two herds of rude cows and two calving seasons.
0: Oh, okay. We turn the
1: bulls out February fifteenth on the winter calving, so they start they start calving around Thanksgiving. Okay, yes. And we return turn them out uh, six months later, August uh, on uh, the summer calving, August fifteenth, and of course they'll come two two three days or somewhere summer calving and winter calving <clears throat> and it's a longer breeding season you know i'll put i put a lot of bulls out there since i save my own bulls bull expense is not uh crippling oh yes so i'll put a bull to 20 cows out there oh and, yeah and then but then i'll i'll leave my bath for i mean leave my there for five months six or five I mean, it may don't matter I mean, the, the breeding's done in about four months yes yeah. No matter how long you leave the bulls out there. So, we, 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 we we, I used to manage the individual. Now I manage those herds. I don't keep up with individual birth records like I used to. I know that the first date calves and the last date calves, I know they range out
0: there. Oh, yes.
1: We also leave them on the cows a lot longer. You know, the, for instance, the calves that uh, the herd starts calving at uh, Thanksgiving. We may not pull the calves off until in of September or first, usually in September, maybe the first of October.
0: Oh, yes. Very good. On your beef cows, you added sheep to it to graze some of those plants that the, the cattle didn't like. What kind of sheep did you go with?
1: <clears throat> they're hair sheep. Uh, they're, they they too are mongrelized, but uh, Katahdin,
0: I'm primarily. Do you keep your own rams for them or mm-hmm. are you purchasing rams? I'm, I'm keeping my own rams as well. I heard someone uh, discuss that about, you know, keeping your own ram, lambs, and breeding to them. And my lamb crop coming this spring will be out of my own ram's that I cap. So I'm going to see how that goes and see if that helps to unify them a little bit more. I suspect it will. I think it will. Yeah. And on your sheep, you're rotationally grazing them as well? We are. I do use polywire with them.
1: And uh up until recently I had them here on the same farm. But uh about a year ago we got a grazing contract with a solar array. Oh yes six miles from here and it's fourteen hundred and twenty-five acres. <clears throat> it took all my sheep to populate
0: oh, yes.
1: they pay they pay us for the vegetation management. So I don't I don't have to pay for the land, they actually pay us now we oh yes we have to uh, we have to do some things we, we have to mow behind ourselves you know we, you know, we got to, to uh it's it's not all sweetness and light but it's it's a good deal
0: right so do you plan on expanding your sheep or did you fill that fro at your your ranch with something else
1: you no know, uh we do we, we we will uh we will replace the sheep we'll grow the sheep and there's some other solar arrays they want us to, to occupy so we We'll be growing the sheep program for a while.
0: Oh yes. Yes.
1: And we, we market our own I told you we slaughter him on the farm. We got a USDA inspected red meat slaughter plant and a USDA inspected poultry slaughter plant. And so we we market our own beef and pork and lamb and poultry and goat and whatnot. And and there's a there's a quite a demand for domestic lamb. So I, I feel good about that.
0: I'm hearing more and more people direct marketing grass-fed lamb. And, you know, we'd spoke a little bit earlier about the cattle. Uh, we have not direct marketed any lambs yet, but I'm strongly um, considering looking into that in the future and try and start doing that because I think that's the way to go.
1: Well, direct marketing in general, I think, is has gained a lot of uh, Headway during this pandemic. Oh, yeah, it's already, it already on the increase, but the pandemic really gave, gave it a kick
0: in, in the back in the back end. Oh, yes, it did. Are you moving your sheep daily? We are, yes, and you're doing um polywire wire move them. What kind of watering system is available on that solar array farm?
1: <clears throat> we, we uh. Have run, we've run pressure. You know, there's a few wells around, and we run pressure lines and and, and water off of that with a uh, full, of,
0: full float flow. valve. Oh yes, yeah,
1: little plastic tanks. We move.
0: In addition to the the sheep, you have goats. We do. And uh, are they managed similar to the sheep, or tell us a little bit about your goats?
1: Yeah, the goats are managed similar to the sheep. Polywire, move them every day. Uh, we uh, we try to keep the goats in the woods as much as we can. The, I really like the impact the goats have in the woods, kind of opening it up. Oh the yes, there. and the goats seem to do really well in the woods. They. Uh, uh, you know, I, I consider goats to be forest creatures. Goats and hogs are forest creatures, and cows and sheep are or, or pasture creatures. Yeah, they they do better when when you manage them that way.
0: And the the goats do they respect your polywire pretty good?
1: I no, mean, they do. I mean, goats get out. <laughs> you know, we, uh, you know it, it, it's, it's manageable. Yes, we 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 got to. We've got a lot of of employees here on the farm, so uh, there's usually somebody around to help you, certainly somebody to spot them. Oh, yes. Probably somebody to help you get them in.
0: (laughs) What kind of, or what breeds did you go with with for your goats? Yeah, I kind
1: of went with what I could pick up, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of Spanish in there.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Pico
1: some borough, you can see a lot of boar in them. Uh, goats are, you know, anybody's ever raised many goats, you know, it's difficult to keep them alive. I mean, they are really, uh, you know, uh, cows are easier than sheep, and sheep are easier than goats. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't, of course, there were no indigenous cattle here, but, uh, you know, the indigenous ruminant here, big ruminant was uh, woods buffalo was bison way back <clears throat> but yeah, you know, i think goats really are, 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 are for a more arid climate than i've got to provide for them you know, oh yes you know, <clears throat> we're raising people with all this this rainfall and <clears throat> all this uh, parasite and right we're, we're doing it and i like the goats and there's a lot of market i like the impact they have on my land and there's a lot of market for the goat meat but we, we, we struggle on the production side.
0: But the, the demand for the, the goats is really good? Really good. For, for goat meat?
1: Yes. Yeah, you know, so, you know, per capita consumption of sheep and goat in this country is very, very low. But it's an underserved market. Oh, yes. I think, I, I don't know what it is with goat, but I think that Americans eat uh, just a little over one pound of lamb per year forty you know, something pounds of beef, thirty something pounds of pork, hundred pounds of poultry, and a little over one pound of lamb. <clears throat> so a big, big growth potential in the market.
0: Do you see that increasing in the near future?
1: Well, I I, I don't know. I think it will. It is, yeah. as you, talk about, you know, uh lamb is just was out of my culture. You know, i oh. never yeah. I had never eaten lamb in my life until I started raising lambs and and started eating it uh, but you know, our culture is more and more diverse and uh, you know, people have a lot more of, of uh, influence in cooking from other places that, that do have lamb as a, a staple in their diet so i, I think so i tell you uh, we raise rabbits and we can't raise enough rabbits you know because, per cow, because there's a rabbit in this country is almost nothing we can't raise enough rabbits uh okay. rabbits, like goats rabbits are difficult you to raise them. but uh when we put them, we we sell uh that, the rabbit through the online store and she can put my daughter runs it she can put a rabbit in there and it sells out
0: immediately oh yes is your market for your store fairly localized or do you have you ship quite a bit
1: georgia is not a rich state in my county is the poorest county in this not rich state, Oh so yes. we don't the local market. <clears throat> we ship uh, FedEx and UPS to 48 states, and uh, uh, you know the most of it goes in the, the three day ground shipping, but that gets you all the way to Denver, Colorado. So oh yes, yeah, uh, and and I, I think that my sense is that most of our products ship to, to urban uh, addresses or urban zip codes just as a bunch
0: yes. of rules yes you know and that's that's kind of the thing i struggle with here on direct marketing i i live in a rural community where almost everyone's got their own beef out there and lamb's not really consumed very much in my area now, I'm an hour from Tulsa, and I think Tulsa has a much better market. Um, just got to work that way some. Yeah. I think we we almost covered all your your red meats there. I don't think we've talked about your hogs, Zini. We actually have
1: two droves of hogs. We've got what we call the heritage hogs, which are mixed uh, uh, Berkshire, Tamworth, and Noble Spots. Oh, yes. And we, 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 we cross them up. Uh, then we've got another drove of hogs, and we got about 150 sows. We have another drove of hogs. That's the uh, Iberian pigs that we, uh, they're the descendants of uh, 24 gilts and six boars that we imported from Spain in December of 2014. We bred them up to about 150 sows. And uh, the, the pigs, we don't cross them up. The very different usage. The the uh, heritage hogs are for fresh pork, good pork chops and ribs and ham. Oh yeah. The pigs are for the cured meats. You know, like
0: oh the, okay, like a prosciutto type. Is the management very different on the the two types of hogs?
1: Oh. Uh, not not remarkably different. We we uh, we have to feed the uh, the uh, Iberian pigs a little different feed, and I and we got a lot of peanuts and pecans in it. Oh yes, uh, just that to get the fat the way that uh, the, the the folks that cure the meat want it to be. But we're blessed. We're in an area that grows a lot of peanuts and pecans.
0: Oh so yes,
1: yeah. It.
0: The temperament of the animals is
1: a little bit different, but I don't think and and, and the I mean, pigs are just not as productive. They don't have as many pigs per little. It takes 13 months to get them big enough to kill. Oh,
0: That's yes. Just,
1: but, but as far as facilities and whatnot, you know, I mean, we were raising them in the woods. They, were, they moved frequently with polywire, just little huts thrown down for the to barrel in. It's not, a, you know, everything we do is is on the ground and moved a lot.
0: Oh, yes. Where do you see um white oak pastures going in the future?
1: you know I'm really happy with what we're doing uh we, we I like closing circles we don't we buy feed um our uh feed now I would love to one day mill it grow grow, grow it and mill it ourselves oh yes yeah. <clears throat> I lot like a feed mill to do that and a like to have a hatchery uh to raise my own, I I, I buy one day old poets and chicks and Dutch and and Keith. We're doing some things, uh, uh, we're building, we we have a store, a restaurant, and lodging, and we're doing some educational things here on the farm. We got an internship program that's really, really good. Oh, yes. We accept uh, six interns, Four times a year, and for three months. Oh, okay. We get about twenty-five applications for the the six slots. Uh, We're building an RV park right now, and uh, you know, uh, I'm sixty-six years old, and uh, I still own the farm and and, and manage the farm. But I've got, we've got one hundred and seventy-six employees. And uh, there's seven of us who are directors. There's me, two daughters, two in-laws, and two non-family members. Oh, yes. And those seven supervise about 26 managers that supervise the other 100 of employees. So, uh, you know, growth is, I'm not really uh, focused on growth. I'm. I'm we're, we're bigger than I ever intended to be, and, and I wouldn't care if it shrunk, but, uh, Oh yes, and we're, we're moving more in the educational component. And, you know, we need to we need to build profitability. We do a lot of business, but we don't make a lot of money. And I don't need I don't I don't need to make a lot of money, but I want to make enough so that cash flow is not a continuous struggle. And
0: right, uh, you mentioned your internships there. Uh, someone does an internship with you are they getting exposed to all the species or or do they focus on a subset the first
1: quarter uh, it, you are exposed to all the species plus the fence crew the mechanic crew the carpenter crew you know, so it's, uh, you 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 you, you know, a curriculum and you everybody knows oh yes yeah. you know, this is this week here this week here this week here and uh um uh, if you, uh, not many people stay for two quarters, but if you do, then you can do more specializing.
0: Oh yes. Um, we we we
1: hire the the the, the of the internship program for us is we hire a lot of
0: them. Uh, we oh okay. Uh,
1: not all you know, you know some of them have other plans. Some of them are not what I consider to be real have a good fit here. But there's a I have a lot of some, a lot of my best employees. Uh,
0: came from the internship program. Oh yes, yes. I'm seeing a lot more uh, internship programs throughout Regenity Bag. Um, Greg Judy's comes to mind as well as others. Will we've reached the place in our podcast for our famous four questions? They're the same four questions we ask of all of our guests. Uh, our first question: What's your favorite grazing grass-related book or resource? Dirt to the Soil by Gabe Brown. Excellent choice. H- hand, hands now. i
1: tell you, there's a, there's a lot of people in this space that are teaching regenerative management that ha- hadn't been exposed to it much. But Gabe Brown is the real deal.
0: Yes. He's the real deal. We are, we're in contact to get him on the podcast, so hopefully that can happen pretty soon. He's great. He's great. Good luck with that. What tool could you not live without on your farm? Jeep. G- Yep, that, that's a, a good one to get around. Now, I, I was telling my wife the other day, the only people you're seeing out in the snow right now in Oklahoma are the, the farmers out in their pickups and then the people that bought Jeeps are having fun. No, I, I got a
1: Jeep. I'm not having fun.
0: <laughs> yes. Now, um, what would you tell someone just getting started?
1: <clears throat> I would tell them to be very careful. To not just learn production. We're talking we talk about production here. Yes. But there are three legs on the stool there's production and the pasture, and that's the fun part. Yes. That's what we all like to do. There is, I'm going I'm to just call it processing, which is making the product monetizable. People don't, you know, consumers don't buy cows and hogs and sheep, they buy beef and lamb and pork. And you've got to be able to convert it. You don't have to build your own like we did. I hope you don't have to build your own because it's, it's life changing. But you've got to have that all set up before you wake up one morning and need to monetize some items. That, oh, yes. And the third one is uh, marketing distribution. you, you got to get it to the people that will pay you for it. And I've seen a lot of people... Who was smarter than me and, and had more money than me, go broke because one of the legs on the stool got too long or too short.
0: Oh yes, to be be honest, I struggle with two of those legs. I've got to get better at them. Well, I got to get better at all three, but well, that, that, that's,
1: that's very common that you would struggle with one, and you, you, you you've taken the first step towards correcting it by saying I got a problem.
0: Yes, that's, that's the first step. Where can others find out more about you and your farm? Uh, I think
1: we got a pretty good website. It's whiteoakpastures.com. It's kind of, it it, you know, that's just our online stores, that a lot of stuff, and stuff we can buy. But for the people that we're talking to, it's just three sections it's uh, the animal welfare section, which is important, it's the regenerative land management section, which is important, and it's the community building, rural revival that's important. So, uh, I think there's a lot to learn in there. <clears throat> it's, it's, our website has been a work in progress for over 20 years. And my daughter does it. I don't do it. I'm not bragging on myself. But I mean, I think that she has gleaned a lot of really good information to put in there.
0: I, I, I'm i going to concur. There's lots of information there. And I, I didn't look at the store portion of it. It's... Uh, I mean, it's
1: generally, you know, the purpose of the website is to monetize product, that third. Right. It is. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's for. But incidentally, I think there's a, my mission is not to educate others. Now I I want. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yes. I'm certainly willing to share, but I'm not one of these evangelists that's running down the road trying to get people to change the way they farm. If you, if you want to ask me, if you want to see, I'll show you. Right but uh i do think that uh, the people that i understand for your podcast would be interested in i think the website would be beneficial for them
0: yes and we'll post a link to it in our show notes will we really appreciate you coming on and just giving us a a quick overview of what you're doing and where we can get more information we really appreciate it
1: okay I'll thank you for having me i've enjoyed talking to you today
0: I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Will Harris today. As always, you can gain more information about our podcast in the show notes available at www.grazinggrass.com slash episodes 19. There we have links to White Oak Pastures on the various social medias as well as their website. Also, any book selections are listed in our show notes. And if you'd like to support the Grazing Grass podcast, by clicking on a link for a book, it'll take you to Amazon where you can purchase it. We do encourage you to support your local booksellers, but in case they don't have the book you're looking for, we encourage you to click on the Amazon link. We earn a little bit back from each time you purchase a book through one of those links. We appreciate it. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. We will see you next Wednesday. Keep grazing grass. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, Click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.